Wasn't a wonderful time of worship this morning, eh? Isn't God good? You know, I'm just always so overwhelmed how much God wants to connect with his people. And you know, it's never the issue with God whether he wants to, it's normally with us, that we don't often make the time to do so. And something, one thing about worship is, worship was never meant to be an event. Worship should be our lifestyle. Our life should be worship to God in everything. When we help the poor, when we do stuff, we're actually worshiping God through our deeds. Um, but also, you know, just encourage you. I mean, I, you can see um, that I'm never allowed up on that stage because I've got the voice of a bullfrog and can't sing in tune and all of those wonderful things, some of the gifts that I'm going to ask God why I never got when I get to heaven. But, um, but one of the things we can do, and I, and I love to do, is put on worship music at home and, uh, you know, just soak in his presence. Because he wants to meet with us daily. He wants to connect with us. And when we come to, together, what God really wants us to do and wants to encourage us to come and worship out of the overflow of our hearts, now, sometimes we have bad weeks and we come and we just need a download from God and God is gracious for that. But to me, it's like a picture of a sponge, you know, it starts to rain. We know the Word of God says the Holy Spirit is poured out uh, like rain and, um, upon us. And it's like a sponge. And when we come to church and we really, that sponge is really dry, what happens? Normally what happens is by about three-quarters of the way through the service, we start feeling, hey, man, this is awesome. You start feeling the presence of God. And then it has to stop because the preacher has to preach. And, and some of them say, drats, why couldn't we do that? But when we come and that sponge is full, it just overflows. And there's a thing that, uh, that uh, there's an anointing on every one of us, and this is not my sermon yet, so I'm, I'm checking out the time. I'll tell you when that starts. But there's a thing uh, uh, that, uh, in the Word of God on us that he, there's an anointing that He pours out upon us when we come into His presence and when we walk in unity. It's like oil, He says, the Holy Spirit, the picture of oil and the anointing. But you know what? There's something happens when there's a corporate anointing, when the brethren dwell together, when they come together and worship God. The psalm says that many streams will flow as one river. And I see that um, across the church universal, and we're going to speak a bit about the church. Where God, there's many different denominations, uh, and so on, all worshiping the same God. But God is wanting those streams to come together and flow as one. Unity in diversity. That's what God is looking for. But can you imagine when we come and our little trickle that is coming out joins with your little trickle and the next little trickle and the next little trickle and we just are in the presence of God just like that. I've, uh, we, I've experienced it. I'm sure many of you have. And I love the worship we have, but I believe that God wants to take us deeper and deeper. And it's very hard if the only time that happens in our lives. And I get busy too. And sometimes just the busyness of life. And I've got to check myself and go and say, God, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sort of running ahead of you. Uh, 
but spend time in his presence as, as um, uh, individuals, as, as families. And, and let's see what God will do with us. Because God is not just waiting for two hours on a Sunday to connect with his family. He wants to daily. And so I'm going to be speaking about a little bit about the nature of the church this morning. It's a very, very simple message. And I was just thinking about it. And one of the dangers of leading and preaching is I often feel God give me a message. My first thing is, God, I've preached that before, not more than once. (laughs) And uh, surely, you know, we can move on from there. But, you know... It's not really what we hear that God is interested in. He's interested in that. But it's what we do with what we hear. And sometimes it's good for us to be reminded of the basics. And Peter and Paul uh, uh, said this themselves. Uh, to, it's good to remind each other. And Peter, writing to the church in 1 Peter 2, he says this. Um, sorry, I'm in 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter 2. Find it here. Uh, one, uh, so 2 Peter 1, sorry, from verse 12. He says, So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them, and some of you have even firmly established in these truths. I think it is right to refresh your memory. And today, just a little bit of a memory is what the church is about and some of the things that what it's not. We know in Matthew 16... Um, Jesus has this amazing conversation with his disciples. And um, he asked him this question, Matthew 16, from verse 13. It's a very good question to ask anybody. Who do people say I am? Who does people say Jesus is? And some people will say he's a good person, all of these different things. And these are the kind of answers that came out of the mouths of the disciples. They still hadn't up to this stage got the revelation that he was the Christ, the son of the living God. God reveals that in this passage through Peter. But up to that time, they just thought he was a good guy, uh, a prophet. They didn't really understand who he was. They just knew he was cool to hang around with, and they wanted to be with him. So I asked him this question, and it's a personal question. And God is going to ask everything. Jesus asks, who do you say that I am? And then it goes on to say this. Some say, they said, John the Baptist. Others say, Elijah. So others say, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But he says this, but what about you? We cannot have a second-hand relationship with Jesus Christ. We cannot come to church and rely on other, other people's relationships with Jesus Christ. Uh, we need to have a personal relationship. He's a jealous God. He loves you. He gave everything for you. And he wants to relate. Who do you say that I am? And maybe that's something that we should meditate, every single one of us. And Simon Peter eventually has this download from heaven, and he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. His eyes are open. He says, must have seen, had a revelation of Jesus in all his glory. And Jesus uh, replies, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man. It was a revelation 
and revealed to you by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, Peter, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Now the Catholic Church takes that scripture to say that Peter was the rock. And we see that uh, in, in, in the Catholic uh, faith where, where Peter was the first apostle and, and everything is built on that rock. But actually, that's not what Jesus is saying there. What he is saying, on this rock, on this revelation, on this revelation of me as the Christ, the head of the church, the king of kings, and I will build my church. So what we have to do as people, we need to get on with his building program. You see, it's not my church. I am one of the, part of the body of Christ, and one of my functions is to shepherd and lead this uh, wonderful, you wonderful group of people for a season. But I am no more important to God than you. And I'm no re- responsible, more responsible to God for the church than you. Every single one of us have a responsibility. And many of us have been taught wrongly. And I apologize for that because man has exalted himself and put him in a place where Jesus and Jesus only should be. And so in a sense, many churches, many people in the um, Evangelical, Reformed, Pentecostal, Catholic, look to people. And in a sense, without even knowing it, they are following a person. And what they feel, get, is that we are spectators, and we're going to come watch this person perform. And I'm saying it, please, I'm not judging, and I'm not saying it's intentional, and if, those peop- if he performs well, we will be part of it. And if he doesn't, we won't. That kind of thing. The thing is, is that culture has been ingrained in the church. It's been ingrained by leaders, by wrong teaching, where we have put man in the place of Jesus. You see, we are all kings and priests. And so, I want to ask a few questions. And, and uh, I'll give you some of the answers that I put here. But when it comes to the church, what thoughts come to mind for you? What to you is the church? What does it mean to be a part of the church? And you see, to some, the church is simply a place where we go on a Sunday normally and discharge a religious duty. And then, after that hour, Two hours, if you're in Africa or Asia, ten hours. (laughs) I love those churches, man. (laughs) You get apart along with your life. We compartmentalize our life with God and the church. So we have our church life of maybe two hours (laughs) and the rest of our life. And that's some and that's not you, so... Relax. Others view the church as an organization. And the problem with this is the focus then becomes more about results, promotion, titles, than relationship. 
And also what happens, our value then becomes found in what we do. Now, if one of the one of the things that Deborah and I have the privilege of doing, and I'll be in Toronto uh, from Wednesday for about five or six days ministering at a conference and at a church in Toronto, but I have the privilege of, I've been uh, serving God for 34 years, of sitting down with many leaders and pastors. The sad part with some of them, and I tell you especially worship leaders, they get to 40, 45, they're not so cool anymore, and the churches really sideline them. Now, I'm not saying that we want to do that. We want everybody who wants to worship be part of the worship, I promise you. We have young people who want to do it. We have old, we have everybody. But the problem, or pastors that have pastored their whole lives and now going to retirement... Their identity is so wound up in what they do that they don't even know who they are anymore. It could be in your job. You see, if our identity is found in what we do and not in who we are, we will always be letting ourselves down because I'm not doing enough or, or, or this or that, I should be doing more, or uh, maybe God's disappointed me. God's never disappointed in you. God loves you and He wants to challenge you to walk out your salvation with fear and trembling. But in that organizational model, often to character is sidelined for gifting. So we can have people that can sing like angels, prophesy, Jesus says, Matthew 13, through Paul, you can speak in the tongues of angels, you can surrender your body to the flames, you can do all of this, but you have not love, you have nothing. And the first love that he's talking about is you love the Lord your God first, with all your heart, all your soul, and when that love tank is full, because he pours out his love into our hearts, then we are able to love others. But it's not about the gifting. We didn't earn our gifts. God gave them to us so that we had used them to bring Him glory. And that's what God has always intended. A church, a faceless church with only one face, the Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church. And so when performance, uh, when it's performance driven, and we all have stuff to do and we'll see that, but when it's driven by that, what actually happens is we either feel proud because we are tough guys and we can tough it out, Or we feel bad every day because we're not doing enough. And it's a cycle that's hard to break. And I want to remind you today that that's not what the Bible teaches. The word church in the New Testament never refers to a building or to a place. We don't go to church, and I say that I'm going to church on Sunday. It's a bad habit that we are the church. And we come as the church together to worship God. We need to break this we go to church. Because then we have two suits. The church suit and the world suit. Just subconsciously sometimes. You see, the church includes all believers. 
There's two expressions of the church. The universal church, the body of Christ, which includes all believers, Jews and Gentiles, underneath the Lordship of Jesus Christ. There's one church, one body, under one head, Christ Jesus. But then there are expressions of local church. And we see that in the New Testament, letters written to the church in Philippi, to the church in Ephesus, to the church in Corinth, specific churches. And I believe that was always part of God's plan. Not churches because we split and divide and because we don't like each other anymore, but churches that express Him differently. Churches where people can come and worship God as they feel comfortable and God can move them on. And I use this example of my father-in-law who's gone to be with the Lord. He's, he's an incredible, if you're, I never, a gentleman of gentlemen, just always. I never went to his house, even in retirement, when he wasn't dressed smartly like he was going to church. Not a tie in that, but smartly, even in the garden. And I asked him why he's like that. He says, somebody might come visit. He'd run around doors in the rain and open. He was an incredible guy. And he came and visited us once or twice when we were starting the church. Um, uh, And we were at the cinema. And he had always been to a church, a traditional church, maybe with organs, with a choir, and he always wore a suit to church. He dressed to the nines. To him, that was part of his worship to God. And then he would come to Oceanside... And, <laughs> and do you know the guy never, ever, he came for three months, never said a word. He came. But I could see it was hard for him. And I remember saying to him, listen, would you like to go to another church in the city where you'd feel more comfortable? He said, no, 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 I've come to support you. But I knew, and it was a lesson to me, that if this was the only expression of church in the body of Christ, he more than likely wouldn't go anywhere after a while. So we're not to judge each other. It's a hard thing. Some people want to use drums. Some people want to use a, a pipe. Oh, you know, they still use an old pipe organ. Have you ever been in worship with a pipe organ? You think you're in heaven right away. It's a different expression of worship. One church, one leader, Jesus Christ, and one body, fitly joined together. So let's honor the other churches in the city. And I'm talking about Bible-believing churches. Churches that believe the Word of God. Amen? You see, Peter writes this. And I want to tell you in, in, in 2 Peter, in, in him writing this, he's speaking about you. And he says this, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. God's special possession. Do you know how you know you're God's special possession? He gave his very best for you, his son. You know that? If you buy something and it costs you a lot, that has a special place. God didn't give a planet for you, a galaxy for you. He gave His one and only Son. You are God's special possession. 
But there's a purpose that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, once we were scattered all over the earth, once I didn't know God, I was doing my own thing. But now, I'm a, one of the people of God. Do you remember that day? That once where you gave your heart to the Lord? Where that guilt and shame was washed away? And then you went back to church and they put it all back on you? <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't in my notes. <laughs> when you felt so free. Free to worship, free to love. Do you remember those days... When you would serve God with all your heart, when you would serve in the Sunday school, in the worship team, in every, you couldn't do enough for God. Do you remember those days? I'll tell you something. If you're true with yourself and you look back to that time, you have never, ever been more fulfilled. You have never, ever been more fulfilled. We think if we did this and we went there and we did that and God wants us to enjoy our lives. And I enjoy it. But there's something about being in love with God. There's something and God just wants to call us back. There's something about serving Him. You see, you're not serving me. Next week we're going to talk about areas where you can serve. You're not serving the eldership term. And I'm not serving you. I'm serving God. And through that, we serve each other. Amen? You see, this is extremely important. Because the way we view the church will determine the nature of the church and what foundation we are building on. Apostle Paul tells us that we are members of God's household. We are part of God's family and that we are the church of the living God. That we don't go to church, as we've said. We are the church. Every where we go. Everywhere we go. Now that's a sobering thing. Because everywhere we go, not just on a Sunday, we represent Jesus. And sometimes misrepresent Him. And many people have a, a bad view of Jesus because often of even my behavior. So we represent him. And so there's a sober part of this that we need to know. Peter says this of us, you're a chosen priest, people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I'm just going through my notes because I'm so far behind in them now. There's no doubt that we are the most blessed people on earth. And Ephesians 1, verse 3 to 8, Paul reminds us. Is it hot and stuffy in here, or is it just me? Can we open some of these doors? <laughs> I feel like I'm in a sauna. Winter comes uh, on the calendar and all the heaters go on. Thanks, guys. Even I'm falling asleep, so I don't know how you're managing. <laughs> Ephesians 1, Paul reminds us that we have been blessed in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. You see, we are quite blessing with God to stuff. 
I got a new job, I got a new house, I lost my job, I'm not blessed, I am blessed up and down. God blessed me. And he, that is one of the ways God, but that is the base level blessing. God has spiritual blessings that are in Christ. The first blessing is that he chose us. Go and read that passage. He adopted us. He brought us into his family. He forgave us our sins, past, present, and future. He gave us a new hope and a new future. And church, when we focus on those and we enjoy the other blessings, it's wonderful. But often the blessings of the world become a curse because I get our value and we get our time to everything of physical blessing. And God didn't want that to become a curse. He wanted it to be a blessing. But when we lose sight of who the blesser is, and I can do it honestly, even as leading a church and, and being on an apostolic team, I can lose sight because I can get so busy with doing church, so busy with planning, so busy with planning sermons that I forget about my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what he's calling us back to. You see, there's a big difference between being part of a family and an organization. See, a family is about relationship. Organization is about function. And I had to speak, God spoke to me and to my elders too. First and foremost, we are shepherds of God's flock as elders. First and foremost, before anything else, we are called to love people. It's about personal relationship through Jesus Christ with him and with each other. So I want to ask you, ask me, how well are my personal relationships in the church going? You see, in our family, we often fight for a relationship. And it reminds me of a story of this guy. He... Um, few years ago, I was on a sailing ship, and it got shipwrecked. And it got shipwrecked on this island. And he was there alone for three or four years, and, and uh, you can imagine the picture of him. And eventually, a ship comes past, and he builds a fire, and he's able to get the guy's attention. And the, they row ashore, the captain and a few of guys, and he comes to him and says, man, I'm so glad you found me. He said, I've been here forever, nobody's seen me. He said, I'm all alone. And behind him, the captain sees three huts. So he says to him, well, there's only one of you. Why are there three huts? So he says, well, one's my home and one's my church. I said, that's awesome. He said, what's the other one? Oh, that's the church I used to go to. <laughs> God does move us on, but we got to believe well, because we take ourselves with us. And it's not very soon before those same things will crop up again, if we're not relationally strong with God, if we're not pressing into our friends, if we're not making space for each other's weaknesses. It's about identity, our identity in Christ. Romans 8 from verse 17. Now if we are children of God, then we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering, in order that we may share in his glory. Just think about that. 
You're an heir of God. And you're on equal standing before God because of Jesus Christ, because you're in Christ as Jesus. That sounds blasphemous, doesn't it? I've just read that. You're an heir of God, and you're a co-heir, an equal heir with Christ. There's no higher standing in the universe than being a child of God. If God did nothing else for us, if He never blessed us, you see, spiritual blessings, we might not even see the context of them till we're in eternity. But I tell you, when we're in eternity and we can see God, I put my faith and my trust in such little things. And I'm not saying, please, guys, this is not a heavy, this is for me, but have a look. Have a look at where we are and have a look at the fulfillment in your life. You see, we nearly really have to know who we are in Christ. Family against organization is about conformity. I remember many years in the church you had to dress the same, look the same, have the same thin lips as everybody else. And I'm just saying that I'm... I, <laughs> I went to, used to go to church with my grandma. I wasn't... Uh, church, really, but I was my grandma, and I tell you what, I was actually, it was a, I won't say the denomination, but it was, the, the guy that led it had this huge gown on, and a, a, obviously a dog collar and all of that, and chains and beads and all of that, and he was about six foot seven, and I'm this big, he scared the living daylights out of me. I was so scared of him that my grandparents knew that if I was, they didn't have to give me a hiding because that didn't work. They knew, we're going to, I'm going to tell Father Stevens. I'm telling you. I would do anything for them rather than that. But it's in the sense this is cookie-cutter situation. But there's no cookie-cutter in the body of Christ. 1 Peter 2.45, if we can have that up. Poor guy in the back gets all my notes and he has no idea which page I'm on. Because I jump all over the place. It says this, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God, and precious to him, you too, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. There's so much in that verse. Can you imagine? We, the God lives in us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the church. And Ephesians tells us God lives in the church by Spirit. And we are individually and corporately His temple. Can you imagine... If we are building a, a house, a wall, and we come back the next week and half the stones are missing in the wall, how strong is that wall going to be? Also, God doesn't call you a brick. He calls you a stone. Bricks are about conformity. Stones are about diversity. We are all different. 
He's buying all different and different. He's building us in. He's joining us together. And it will be way easier as a pastor if you were all like bricks. In fact, if you were all like me. Because nobody but myself can understand me. It would be way easier, that brick. But when you're building with stone, you see a stonemason, a master craftsman. Have you ever watched, uh, seen a beautiful stone wall? You can look at it for hours, but it takes skill. It takes placing those stones. So God says, you're the stone, and this is where I want to be in the wall, in my spiritual house. You're that part of it, and you are precious to me, and you've been bought with my blood, and I need you, and you need me. Living stones. Family is about creativity. It's about having fun together. Flamey. And the last two things here. Family is about honor. 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 If you've never read a book on honor and you want to, get Danny Salk's book, The Culture of Honor. It will change your life. From Bethel. And we're going to be doing it in our home group. But this is what Romans says, and I want to stick here. It's a very short few notes here, but Romans twelve ten says, he's talking of the church, be devoted to one another. How can we be devoted to each other if we see each other once every few weeks? I'm not saying we live in each other's pockets. And I'm not saying we can know everybody, but there should be some people that we have a covenant relationship with. And don't let that relationship become exclusive and clicky. That nobody else can penetrate your friendships. That's a big problem. Because God is into family. The cool family, the not so cool family, and the family. I don't know where I am. I'm thinking I'm the not so cool job. I try to be cool, but I'm too old to be. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another, this is Jesus, to his church, above yourself. Now, as a leader, I, I, we have wonderful people. And, and, and Deborah and I do feel honored by this church. But we honor everybody the same, above ourselves. You see, honor does not mean that we think of ourselves less. It means that we think of others more. When we think of others more. Jason, can I embarrass you and honor you? Come stand here. This young man. This man got saved in this church from a, quite a background. I love this man. 10, 15 years ago, came into our lives. We've walked a long way. He's been on a walkabout. And I saw him on Friday and I asked him, Jason, you need to come back to church. And he said, I don't feel that I can. And I said, Jason, God loves you. And today, he's back here. And I tell you, yeah. (laughs) So... So now you all know him. If he doesn't come next week, you 
get on his case, eh? But I want to say this, this. When I saw Jason, because he said I'd come on Sunday, and I, I sort of, you know, I'm praying I hope he does, and all of that. And when he walked in, I tell you, that's what made it work worthwhile. That's what makes it worthwhile. All that, when you see a life come back to God, a life transformed, but God doesn't just want to do it through me and through the elders and through the, God wants to do it through you where you are every day. And it's hard. And sometimes people run away, and sometimes they come back and they fall. But I tell you, it's so wonderful when you think, God, if all I did, and I'm not embarrassing, if all God sent me here for to Canada to was to help this man and see him restored, I'm telling you, in my heart right now, that is worthwhile. And how much more has he blessed us? You cannot outgive God. You cannot fill that place with stuff. How many of you have more stuff than stuff? <laughs> Try moving your house. <laughs> Try moving your house. <laughs> we moved after 10 years. I said, oh my Lord, we came here with three suitcases. <laughs> we needed a U-Haul and plus. Now God wants us if we're using it and he wants to bless us, but that cannot be our fulfillment. Our fulfillment is seeing lives changed. And our lives being changed. You see, the, the, the outpouring, the ultimate outpouring of honor is unity. It has to be. When we honor each other. When we honor, when we're there, and we honor our friends that fall and are struggling. And we honor them as much as we honor the ones that are going doing well. And we honor the ones sitting in the back as much as the front. I tell you what, what does that join's hearts? It has to do that. And so a culture of honor is something that we need to grow in. And I tell you, I don't often, you never hear me say books, but that book by Danny Silk will change your life. It changed mine and how I honor not only my leaders, not only you, but my family, my wife, my friends, the person sitting on the, on the street with no food, that I can give him some dignity and honor by listening, not talking down to him. Amen. Give him honor. Something in them begins to rise, especially when it's not deserved, especially when you know you don't deserve honor. You know, it's like, Leading a church, and sometimes you make some really silly decisions. Not me, but you, but you know what I mean. <laughs> and somebody phones you, and just in a sort of, and you feel like, oh, I, I, I can't do this anymore. And I'm, I'm not in a, in a pity place, but that happens to you. You do something wrong. Some, somebody is, you rude to somebody in the church, and instead of them being rude back, they honor you. Something happens. Something happens. We're just going to say, sorry, bro. You know, I love you. Some of my best friends today have been some of the people that I fought the most with because we have put it aside. Say, I love you, actually. I want to be your friend. Something happens. He says, yeah, the same. 
Let's initiate it. When you ask somebody, when somebody's done something against them, you don't go to them, listen, you dirty, rotten scoundrel. I forgive you. And walk away. The guy's like, what did I do? No. Bro, I'm sorry if I offended you. Take the low road. I want to honor you. If I've done something that's hurt you, even if they shout back, something happens in that person's heart. It might take years because you do not know what they're going through until you've walked in their shoes. This might have just been one little thing of a hundred things going wrong in their lives. Oh, I went and asked for forgiveness and they shouted at me. We'll go and live in their home for a week. You know what I mean? This is the church. And so when we're going into this new season, I want this church to be known for what Jesus wanted the church to be known, for love. Love for God and love for another. He says by this, this is the defining fact of the church. By this, shall all men know that you are my disciples. Not because you've got a cool worship team, not because you've got a great community, but that you love one another. Love one another. Because when we love and we see somebody that's overwhelmed by a burden, even in the church, I love the guy. I'm going to go and help him. I'm not going to sit there and watch him. Jeez, that sucks, eh? You know? Can I help you, bro? Chairs, whatever it is. It's just something that we want to do. It's not because it's not my job. It's because we're family. Because when we are overwhelmed, we want the same thing, don't we? Amen? Amen. I'm going to finish on that. And if I could have the worship team come forward. And if we could please bow our heads for a little moment. Very simple message. But for me, as we start this new season, let's get back to the cornerstone. Let's get back to the foundations. Christ alone. You see, when everyone carries a little bit of the load, physically and spiritually, everybody prospers. And I know there's seasons where you need to step back from the war. Even in the military. You'd be on the front line for a while and they take you back off the front line. And I understand that. But if we never ever engage, engage again, it's very difficult for the ones who are. And I want to see this church shine in this dark city Not so that we look good. So that if God added another thousand people, not because we are about numbers, but because they got saved to every church in the city, we would need all hands on deck. So let's get used to it now. We're praying for the salvation of our city. Let me tell you something. In our city of 100,000, according to the stats, there's only about 4,000 Christians. We are in an unchurched city and an unchurched nation, according to the stats. 
We pray for those. Imagine if revival broke out and half of that 90,000 got saved. Imagine. But imagine if the 4,000 Christians in the city are right and ready and say, bring it on, God. We want to serve you. We want to serve the people. We want to see them in heaven. And when we need a rest, somebody else is there to help us. And so, Father God, I thank you for this amazing community. Lord God, I don't want to bring any condemnation. I know that people here are hurting and they need a rest. I know that lives are busy, Lord God. But Lord Jesus, I pray for me and for all of us that we won't find our fulfillment in anything else but you. That the rest is is good but you are better and I pray for people will see that they have a call and a responsibility to their local churches if they visit us here I pray that they will go back and come be part of this glorious thing called the body of Christ a functioning member each part carrying its own load Paul says So before we do that, Lord God, I just pray for a fresh revelation of your unbelievable love. That you're not angry, but you're spurring us on to love and good deeds. And we're to spur each other on. And Lord, I pray that those hurts and those pains and those failures where people have stepped out and been been forced back by leadership even, where they've dared to trust and dare to step out. Lord, I pray that those chains will be broken. I pray that we will dare to trust. Trust in you is the easy part, Lord, but trust in each other. And when we make mistakes, Lord God, we'll be quick to repent, quick to make right, Lord God. And that this place there will truly be a culture of honor. Let every person to our left and our right and behind and in front of us will feel honored by us. Lord, build your church, I pray. Build your church. Come, Holy Spirit. I pray for rest and peace. Break those chains. A fresh revelation of Christ, the Son of the living God. Christ, the head of the church. Christ, who gave His very life for us. Christ, who is coming back for His bride. And we are His bride. Lift our eyes even now above the hills where our hope comes from. Our hope comes from the Lord. Circumstances, Lord, we open our hands that are beyond 
beyond our control. Lord, we open our hands. We give them to you, Lord. Healing, physical and spiritual. Holy Spirit, I ask you to begin to move right, right now. Touch people's lives. Ones here that are struggling uh, with their relationship with you, Lord. Ones that don't know you and are seeking, Lord. You say they will find you if they seek you with all their heart. Bring healing, Lord. But Lord, I know part of the healing is coming to be part of the solution. Be lifted up, Lord Jesus. Build your church this year. Build your church. Build your church, Lord. Where we have not built according to your plans, Lord, I ask for forgiveness. Where function becomes more important than people, Lord, I ask for forgiveness. We are hungry, Lord, for more of you.